Welcome to the Victory World Outreach Podcast. We pray this message brings encouragement and inspiration to your life. Praise God. (laughs) Well, tonight, before we take some time and pray, I want to preach a message on weakness. Weakness. I was telling Jacob Kelly what I was going to preach, and he said, you should title it The Great Exchange. So that could be a cool title if you want to write that down. But I want to talk about when God exchanges our weakness for his strength, and and two different kinds of weakness that I'm going to be talking about, but we'll get to that. You know, when, when we hear weakness... We don't, want to, we don't want to think about weakness. We don't want to admit weakness. In, in any area, we, want to, we don't even want to acknowledge that we have weaknesses, right? I don't. I mean, if you've ever gone to a job interview, you're trying to put every skill you've ever had on that resume. If you go on a date, the dumbest thing you could do on that first date is say, hey, let me just tell you everything that's wrong with me. Maybe that is a strategy. I don't know. Let's just both say everything that's wrong and we'll just get it out there. But when I went on my first date, I didn't do that. I, I put my best foot forward. And we, we try to, uh, even on, in, on social, right, we, we don't usually put the worst pictures. We put the best pictures. And, and we put on this face that everything's okay. But really, we need to be honest about our weakness. And it's one thing to do that with people. But I believe many times when we come before God, we try to treat God as if He's other people. Like we don't have weaknesses spiritually in our lives, you know, or or we just try and kind of bury them or set them to the side. And you might be here with every intention of praying. Maybe you came with certain things you want to pray for and ask God about. But the fact of the matter is we really can't do anything until we allow God to deal with the number one weakness in our life, and that's sin. And I want to speak specifically about harbored sin, Harbored, the sin that we hold on to. Sin, sometimes we even make room for it. We, we kind of arrange and base our life around that sin. Like, I'm going to try and be the best Christian I can be while still having this sin kind of fit in there and off to the side. And we come in to God's house getting ready to pray. And if we're not careful, we'll have an attitude like, well, we, we don't really have any weaknesses. And, you know, the fact is, God knows everything, doesn't he? And he doesn't just know your weakness. God's strategy is to expose your weakness. And that's a scary thought for all of us. And, and believe me, God speaks to the preacher first. Amen. And, and the good thing is, God can expose it to you right now. And then he won't have to expose it in a worse way, hopefully. Amen. But tonight, I believe that God wants to expose weaknesses in our lives. And I want to start by reading out of Psalm chapter 89. I want to give an example of this kind of weakness. Psalm 89, starting in verse 30. And this is talking about David, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But this is speaking about David. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail." 
so that, that we, we like to hold on to the second part of that scripture. I know I do. That his loving kindness never fails. And that is true. It's in the word of God. It's true. God's love is there. His forgiveness is freely offered. If you'll accept it tonight, at the end of this service, you'll have an opportunity to do that. But people twist that into saying, again, that that means we don't have sin because his loving kindness never fails. But what about the first part of that scripture where it talks about that he 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 the consequences for your sin are a rod it's a chastening there is consequences when we harbor and hold on to sin knowing that it's there knowing that we want to do God's will but we keep that sin to ourselves there is a consequence that comes from that amen and we've all experienced that from time to time many are experiencing it maybe right now and there's a great example and I I use David because if you read in 2nd Samuel about the story of David and Bathsheba. You probably know the story that David, the king, he sees this woman bathing on top of a house and he takes her and he sleeps with her and he gets her pregnant. Right then and there, there should have been, first of all, he shouldn't have done it in the first place. We know that. But there should, there was an opportunity there to say, you know what, I sinned. I need to make this right. But instead, he says, okay, my next step is to kill off her husband because she's married. This is what I'm talking about, about kind of basing our lives. We've got this sin. We don't want to deal with it in the way we should. So we sort of make a way, right? We try and it's like covering a lie with another lie. And that husband is killed off. And then it seems like time goes by where David, it's almost like David has this attitude. Well, no harm, no foul. I did it. I did this. In fact, he marries Bathsheba, I think almost in a kind of half-hearted way of like, well, I guess I'll make this right. I'll get married. And, and if you read the story, it's not until God sends the prophet Nathan and he goes and he has to tell this story to David to, to try and get him to understand the severity of his sin. There was an exposure that happened. And he told David, you are the man. And he told him, God is, is unhappy. He's angry with that sin that you've been holding on to. And it wasn't until then that David dealt with it. There was all this time in between, and, and during that time between uh, the, committing the sin and, and being dealt with, I can promise you David did not have peace in his life. It sounds great. He got married. He got a baby, whatever. There was no peace in David's life. And here's a little point that I want to make when it comes to sin is that when we continue to live a sinful life or to harbor things in our lives that we know are not right... We aren't able to have peace either. It robs us of our peace. And God allows our poor decisions to mess our life up. And some of you, the reason that you're in church today, the reason that you came the first time is because of exactly what I'm talking about. You found your life just in a mess. There's no hope. I, I've, I've screwed things up past the point of where I can fix it. And that's what brought you to Christ. You know, sin is not just an annoyance. It's not just a burden. It's not just something that, that we should really deal with. Sin is weakening your life. It's weakening you. It's weakening your walk with God. It's weakening the chance that you have to do something for God. It's weakening your family. It's weakening the church. And I want to show you this in, uh, in Psalm. I'm going to read you quickly a couple of scriptures in Psalm. This is David speaking. Psalm 31.10 says, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. That's vivid. 
Psalm 38.3 says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. Why is he saying this? It's because sin drained him of his strength. It drained him. How many, you, you, can, you, can, you don't have to raise your hands, but you know what I'm talking about, that sin just drains you. It, it, it brings chaos into your life, into your mind, into your heart, into areas where you should have peace and joy. Sin just drains you. And here, I, I was thinking about, here's David. David wasn't just king. He was handpicked by God. Out of all his brothers, he was the youngest, he was the least of all his brothers, and God handpicked David and said, you are going to be my chosen king of Israel. David should have had the most authority. I mean, think about that. The, the, uh, the stature, the, the power, the confidence that should have been with David. I am chosen by God. And yet all of that was drained and stolen because of harbored sin. Something stupid, something that, that he should have never gone to, right? That he could have avoided, but he harbored it and he, he kept it. There's a quote by David Wilkerson. It's not on the screen, but it says, No matter who you are, if you harbor a secret sin, you will experience continual disturbances in your life, your home and family, in your work, Confusion, worry, and fear will replace your peace and strength. That's, a, that's, that's true. I've experienced it. We've seen it. You've seen it in your own life where, where these areas, there's just constant attack. There's constant worry and stress. And I mean, things could, could from the outside be going great. And in your mind, you're just constantly overcome with fear and stress. And, and that's what sin does. And this is not just happen. This doesn't just happen to individuals. This happens to families. You see families torn apart and wrecked, marriages destroyed, children destroyed because of decisions that we make and we hold on to those things. This, this affects churches. How many churches, maybe we don't realize, and maybe this is a revelation to somebody because, you know, I, believe, I bet David thought this is just affecting me. Even when he knew he was wrong in the beginning, he thought, well, it's just really me. And then look at how it just progresses. Then it affects Bathsheba. Then it really affects her husband. Then it affects his whole genealogy is messed up because of this decision that he made and the, and the choice that he made not to deal with it. And there are, that's how it works in a church. We have a vision where we talk about reach, teach, and send, evangelism, church planning, discipleship. This is not just passion. Pastor Jones and Pastor Paul, this is all of us. It's a team effort. And when we harbor sin in our life, we are affecting the church. We're affecting the effectiveness of the vision of what we're trying to accomplish here. That's why God takes it so seriously because it, it's beyond just you and me. The destruction goes beyond. It'll affect your ministry. If you serve in a, in a, on a serve team or if you lead a small group, those things are not separate from our lifestyle. Those things seep into those areas and we lose our effectiveness. I mean, King David was a king over people. All those people were affected by that decision that he made, that sin that he harbored. <clears throat> it's, it's a big deal to God, amen? It's a big deal to harbor sin. And you know, it's not just, it's not just outward sin. It's not just the big things like what David did with Bathsheba. It's small things. 
And it's not always sin that, that we know is there. That's why, as Pastor Paul said, I believe it was recently, we have to examine ourselves. When we come to prayer, and we sometimes we think, what am I going to pray for? At least pray, God, what's going on in my life that I can't see? Is there, am I being weakened by something in my life that I maybe don't even realize is there? I'd rather have God expose it to me in prayer than, than have a Nathan come and say, guess what? You're in big trouble. Amen? Better to have God expose it to us here. And now, how do we come back from that? I mean, think of the severity of what David did. Adultery, murder, screwed up his whole family. His kingdom was affected. He was handpicked by God and God was angry with him. How can you come back from that? And there are people who are tormented their entire life. They leave church. They, they, they can never get back with God because they, they can't seem to come back. And the answer, how do we come back from that? How do we continue on? We find that in Colossians chapter 2. If you'll turn over there with me, in your, if you got your Bible there. This one is worth turning to and even marking. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read, starting in verse 10. It says that you are also complete, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So if we pause right there, that is the only way that you can come back from harboring sin in your life, is a union with Christ. When we talk in this church, every sermon we preach, everything that's said, everything we are based upon is Jesus crucified and risen again, because that is the only hope you have to get out of your sin, to get rid of your sin. It's in union, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in verse 13, it continues, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So for people that say, well, his blood covers my sin, you know, his, his love is always there. This says you were dead because your sinful nature has not yet been cut away. We need a cutting away of that sin nature. It says, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's an awesome scripture. First of all, he canceled the record. How many wish you could have your record canceled? I'm not just talking about crime. You know, some of you, you need that kind of record canceled. But we all have things that we would love to, to just, let's just pretend that never happened. Let's forget that. God, forget that ever happened. Some would love to go on their phone and erase the history, even though we can't really, everything on the phone is there. Amen. We would love to go back. The Bible says he cancels the record of those charges. And then he goes a step further and it says he takes it away. He nails it to the cross. Some people, they think, man, I can never get over this this addiction, this sin, whatever the thing is that you're harboring. Sometimes it's not things that we want. When I say that we're harboring sin or we're holding on to things, it doesn't mean you want that thing. It just means you haven't let it go. You haven't given it to God. And sometimes it, it's unwanted things that we hold on to. The Bible says when we get a union, a relationship with Christ, he takes it away. 
It's not in us to get free. It's in Christ Jesus. So he not only cancels it, he takes it away. And in Psalm 138, verse 3, David says, In the day when I cried out, you answered me. That's today for somebody. Amen. Today, if you cry out, God will answer you. And he made me bold with strength in my soul. So all these scriptures about weakness in my bones and my life, my life is in despair. It says the day he cried out, God gave him boldness and strength in his soul. That's how quickly God will come in and transform your heart when you stop harboring that sin. There had to be a true repentance. The Bible says David came to God and he said, God, I'm sorry for my sin. And it was a true repentance. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. There was a turning that happened. He didn't, he didn't want to go back to that. He said, God, make me a new person. And when we cry out to God that way, there's a change and a transforming that will happen in your life. Some of you that's happened before, God can do it again. Amen. Some that are here tonight, you need to let God deal with those sins that you've been holding on to. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but it's been, it's been harbored in your life. It's something you, for whatever reason, you haven't been able or willing to let go. You need to let God deal with that tonight, and he'll do it in prayer. Amen. There's the kind of weakness that we don't want. Now I want to talk very briefly about a kind of weakness not only we want, but, well, we don't always want it, but it's necessary. A necessary weakness. And, and this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And just for time, I'm going to read it. This is Paul speaking. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So the devil is attacking Paul. We know there's some, some spirit or something that's, that's attacking him. Paul, Paul is saved here. This is, he's doing God's will. This is, this is just the devil is attacking him. Why is that? I mean, if you can be honest, there's probably been a time in your life when you've said, God, why is this happening to me? I love you. I'm in church right now on a Wednesday night. I'm excited to pray. I want to do God's will. I truly want to do what God, what you want. Why am I going through this hard time? Why am I going through this struggle? Does God just want to put us down and make us feel weak? Is that, that's not what it is, right? It's not that God wants you to, to be put down, but when Satan attacks, God wants us to rely on the grace and on the, the power that he promises to provide. He doesn't want us to try and overcome. He says, I want you in your weakness to rely on my strength and on what I am willing to provide. And he says it in, in here in verse nine, it says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. These are, none of these are things we want, right? We don't want any of those things. But he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the kind of weakness we don't want, but it's necessary. He's telling us here, and we talked about this at the men's discipleship recently, that, that whether we like it or not, troubles are coming. Whether you're saved or not, you're going to deal with hardships and, and all these things, persecutions, difficulties. We're going to have weakness in our lives. You're going to have times where you think, I don't think I can do this. How many have ever felt like that? 
Sometimes you just feel like I just can't do it. And, and you can be as saved as saved is and feel that way. That's, that's the weakness that I'm talking about. It's the hard times that we all face where we feel like we can't make it. Doesn't it seem like God always calls us to something that we are incapable of doing? Have you ever thought of that? Think back to anything you've ever done for God. Every single time God calls me, I think, God, why, why did you have me do this? There are people way more qualified to do this than I am. I can't do this. I, well, I don't have what it takes. Exactly. That's what God's saying. Good. That's exactly where I want you. Amen. Where, uh, you know, if we feel weak, we're in position for God to use us. And it, it can be in small things. For some people, maybe all of us, just being saved. Just, I've got to make it to heaven when I die. That alone can seem like an impossible or just the hardest thing we can do. Some people, there's a certain addiction or a certain sin. You're thinking, man, the thought of getting over this, that right there is a miracle. Or the thought of raising our family in a godless world and getting all of our kids to heaven and us can seem like, man, if I could just do that, I'm a superhero. It can be small things, amen, where we feel weakness. That's the position God wants us in when we're reliant on him, amen? Praise God. And this isn't sin that we're talking about. When he says, when he says in my weakness, you're made strong, he's not talking about sin. He's talking about when we feel weak, when we feel like we can't do God's will. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and he's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You know how we do that? We don't quit. That's it. We don't quit. Somebody mentioned recently, that's like one of Pastor Jones's classic quotes. If you don't quit, you'll make it. And I've heard that for years, and I love that quote. Don't quit, and you'll make it. If you stumble, don't harbor your sin. Don't say, well, I guess I'm a failure. Give it to God. Allow God to deal with you, and keep going. Keep coming. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep trusting God, and you'll make it. Because that means we're leaning on him and on his strength. Tonight, when you get down and pray, you're leaning on God's strength. When you lift up your need or you ask God for whatever you're going to ask, you're leaning on his strength, not yours. Amen. It's in God. That's what God does. Hudson Taylor, I'll read this quote and then I close. Hudson Taylor, you might know, that founded the China Inland Mission. Uh, great Christian. And he has this quote that I want to read to you and then we're going to pray. It seemed to me that God looked over the whole world to find a man who was weak enough to do his work. And when at last he found me, he said, he's weak enough, he'll do. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. Amen. Every spiritual giant, every member of Victory World Outreach, what we do for God, what we're going to do for God is because we're just weak enough to say, I'm going to keep going, but God, you've got to be with me. I'm putting all of my faith and all of my trust in what you're going to help me to do. And, and there's no telling what we can do. God can accomplish. The Bible says, I am made strong in your weakness. That means when we don't try and do it our way, when we don't try and, and do everything the way we think. We just say, God, I can't do this. I can't lead this small group anymore. I can't handle this, whatever the thing is, but God, I am going to continue and 
I trust you. And you just begin to pray and ask God, help me in this area, God. Touch this person. Help me in my area of weakness. And then God just begins to do what he does. That's what we're here to do tonight. Amen. And that's what God promises to do. He'll be made strong in your weakness. Thank God for that. Amen. I want to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And, and in just a moment, first we're going to give an opportunity for those who are not saved and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can receive Jesus tonight. Whatever you're praying for tonight, do not think, well, God is sick of hearing from me. Don't think God is sick of me asking for help. He's sick of me asking me to come to, asking him to come to my rescue for the millionth time. Remember what we said, his strength is made perfect when you bring him your weakness. Not when you cover it up, not when you excuse it, not when you push it aside. When you say, God, here I am. Here's what I've got. Please forgive me. God, here's where I'm at. I'm weak. I'm incapable, but I'm willing if you'll help me. That's where he's made strong. And he cancels your record and he takes it away. That's what God does. Thank God for it. He's done it for every single one of us that are saved here. And maybe here tonight and you'd say, that sounds good, but it's not. I've never experienced that before. I've never asked Jesus into my heart to wash me clean and to make me a new person. And if that's you tonight with no one looking around, how many all over would just raise your hand honestly before God and say, I want to be saved tonight. Praise God. I see these hands. God bless you in the back. How many more? I see this one. How many more? You want to receive Jesus. This is just being led in a prayer. It's simple. The gospel is simple. Maybe you're here and, and you have prayed. Maybe you've prayed a bunch of times and you, you'd say, you know what? I've made a mistake. I've got to get right with God. I don't want to leave this place tonight the way I came in. I want to give my heart back to God and, and make sure that I'm right with him. If that's you, we'll pray for you. How many all over this place? No one looking around. Just lift your hand. God sees it. God bless you. Amen. God bless all these. God bless you. Just repeat this prayer after me if you would. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I don't want to hold any of my sin. I don't want to continue living in sin. I want to be made clean. And I can't do it on my own. But I put my trust in you. That you died on the cross. And in doing so, you took my sin. And I am saved right now by faith. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. And help me never to go back to my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you prayed that and you meant it with your heart, you're saved. Your record has been canceled and your sin has been taken away too. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let him steal your victory tonight. But amen. We're going to take some time and, and let you pray on your own. Let you cry out to God. These altars are open. You can pray there at your seat. I'll, I'll bring it to a close at the time. But amen. Let's take some time. Don't, don't be in a rush. Take some time. Get before God. Let him be made strong in your weakness. Amen. This is between you and God tonight. And then at the end, we'll close together. Thanks again for joining us. If you like this message, subscribe to our podcast channel for more episodes. We would love it if you would rate it and